Hayana mano, hayana mano, ilahe nafi'an, hayana mano. Welcome to Open Out, a podcast series and interactive online presence about the nitty-gritty of creating and living in intercultural communities, the practical side of welcoming folk from different cultures into our lives. This series hopes to create a feeling of compassionate curiosity, provide you with a unique space to allow you to explore the challenges of difference, an environment where all of us, whatever our background, can gently open our hearts and heads to diversity, to intentionally welcome those who not only look and sound different, but also think and act in ways we might not expect. My name is Bill Miller. And prior to creating Open Out, I was pastor of Knox United in Winnipeg for 14 years, one of the most culturally diverse faith communities in Canada. It did not begin that way, however. Its journey provided much of the research base for this project. Openout.ca is the website connected to the project, where you can download material and link to the entire podcast series. There's also an Open Out Facebook page where we can interact directly. Plus, there are podcast supplements that can provide tips, links, and additional resources for church leaders and others about how to use these podcasts in a group setting. In this initial series of podcasts, called Curious, we are beginning to explore why faith communities or other groups might want to consider opening out, opening their own hearts and minds and spaces to a broader group of humans a more diverse group. Today's episode is called, What are the Possibilities? It's a quick peek into what some of the possibilities are for communities that choose to open out. Knox began to become intercultural before any of us knew that word. We called it, at that point, global worship or global church. Then one day, someone from our national body, the General Council Office, showed up. It was a newly hired guy named Michael Blair. And he asked us, do you know that the national church has voted to become what you are? We had no idea. Actually, we really had no idea quite what we were. So let me go back a few years before that. I started at Knox in August 2004. My job, they said, my my call, was to somehow renew the church. Since I had no idea how to do that, I spent a lot of time in those early days just walking around the neighborhood. It's a high-density urban neighborhood, smack dab in the middle of downtown Winnipeg. I'd walk around meeting merchants and neighbors. Then one day, it was after school had started, so maybe, maybe early October, I was walking past the school, heading west. Ahead of me, maybe 75 meters or so, was one of the busiest streets in Winnipeg. I could see a young indigenous girl, maybe 11 or 12 years old, turn the corner and start walking toward me on the sidewalk. She was listening to her iPod. They had those kind of things back then. And then, seemingly out of nowhere, behind her, a deer turned the corner 
and started tearing down the sidewalk toward her and me. She couldn't hear it because of the iPod. The deer went galloping past her and then past me. She looked at me with big eyes and said, Holy... She said a word I, I can't say on the podcast. Was that a deer? I said, yeah, it was. And then she said, I gotta phone my elder. Oh, I was so envious. I so wished at the time that I had an elder on speed dial, someone I could have phoned. I knew the deer was significant, symbolic somehow, but I had no idea what it meant. It took me years to understand what it meant. You see, in many indigenous cultures from all over, not, not just North American indigenous, deer is a symbol of vulnerability, of receptivity, a feminine form. And her role is to teach us to walk lightly on this earth, not dominate. And that was exactly what we needed to do, what, what we did do in order to be open to the possibilities. Shortly after the deer incident, we opened our doors, quite literally, and opened ourselves to possibilities we could not envision. We had no plan, no objectives, no targets, just an openness. And as we opened out, we discovered our neighbors, learned that we were in one of the most culturally diverse square kilometers in the country, in, in the continent. And within a couple of years, Knox was all a grand mix of Sierra Leoneans, Liberians, Chadians, Sudanese, Somalis, Nigerians, Ethiopians, Filipinos, indigenous, and more. You see, they were our neighbors. That was our neighborhood. I think it's all about neighborhood, however you define that. About who is just outside your doors. Folk God might indeed be wanting to invite in. And that's why these podcasts won't focus on any specific cultures per se. Intercultural is what happens in the spaces between people. The Greek word for that is anmeso, the space between us, the space that both separates us and unites us, the space that Jesus said he would inhabit. And because it's an interspace, it's dynamic, fluid, changing. It's, it's more like improv. You, you can't script improv, and you really can't script intercultural. But you can glimpse it. You can learn to be receptive. You can allow it to grow in the spaces between us. Intercultural, it comes in, well, different flavors, I guess. Here are some voices that can help us get a taste of the possibilities. In intercultural church, in intercultural worship, praying in different languages, or dancing in different languages, Bringing these actions in, in the space and give praise to God. That, that matters a lot, I think. And somehow, even though you don't speak the same language as many people, you can feel God's presence working. So I think for me, it's the, the, total, the willingness of the church to open itself up to include people of all races, of all nationalities, of all languages, and recognize that uh, the love of God transcends all barriers. I think intercultural is a place where people can bring their gifts whatever way they offer those, and there's room for, for them, room for everyone. <laughs>
During the worship, we need to be more free and we need to uh, worship God, what He has done to us. So um, the dancing is part of our rejoicing, what God has done to us. And we need to praise through our singing, through our whatever we have been given. Like uh, we can move and we need to give worship by moving. And not just that only, we need to uh, praise God. If we can even clap, how to know, like, uh, Everyone knows how to clap, right? The closer I can get to uh, describing what intercultural looks like is a marriage where people from two different cultures get married and start forging a new culture within the home, which the children are part of. The only way there can or will ever be peace on earth is when we learn to sing each other's music. When I came in, in 2009 and I happened to see that uh, the people from different ethnicities uh, doing worship together in the sanctuary, uh, I was surprised by the way how North Americans were doing the worship because I came from very different uh, tradition, very different culture. So uh, I was interested to learn the way how North Americans were doing and try to uh, compare these two traditions, uh, uh, these two traditions together and uh, given birth to the new one. And I happen to say the Filipino uh, communities who have brought uh, their own tradition and, and their culture uh, into the North American context uh, doing worship. And I also happen to see the African people from who have come from the African diaspora, and they were also trying to bring something like African drum we had in the in the, in the uh, sanctuary would give a sense of like uh, we belong to Africa as well, we belong to Manila, Philippines as well, we belong to Timpu. Bhutan as well, we belong to Kathmandu, Nepal as well. The, the, we, it will make kind of sense that we are everywhere in the world and we are not different people. Even though we look different, our spirit flows in the same rhythm and towards the same direction. In different places and times, intercultural looks and feels different. It depends on the folk who are entering with one another. It's, it's kind of like in high school chemistry. Mix two hydrogens with one oxygen, you get water. Take some hydrogen, mix it with chlorine, you get acid. But take a few hydrogens and mix them with nitrogen, and you produce ammonia. Oh, and it smells really bad and you might get kicked out of chemistry class. Sometimes you'll see churches that have the tagline, everyone welcome, no exceptions. I have no idea if these congregations actually live these words or simply hope to. But if they do, they are already inherently intercultural, even if they are entirely white. Intercultural isn't a goal in itself. It, it's a method. It's a byproduct. Some might describe it as one way we live the Great Commission. For me, as the church carries out that mandate going into the world, what will happen is that as, as, as every disciple is added to the body of Christ, 
that disciple will bring the diversity that, is, that will make the church the intercultural church that it need, needs to be. So intercultural for me is more a byproduct of our obedience to the Great Commission rather than sort of something that we need to pursue. Welcoming folk from different cultures is one way we enact Jesus' commitment to include all. Actually, if we live in diverse communities, intercultural or interracial neighborhoods, and then choose not to welcome, not to include folk from different cultures, just try to keep the liturgy and church patterns all nice and familiar, just the way we like them. Well, then quite clearly, we are choosing to exclude rather than include. The way 7-Elevens used to play opera music outside to keep teenagers from hanging around. So I think of intercultural more as a stance than a program, a posture of intentionally opening outward. It might be fairly obvious. I'm just learning about podcasts. One of the things that I've learned so far is that they're auditory beasts. And yet, here in my hands, I have a diagram. It's a nice diagram. You can see the diagram at openout.ca. But you could be driving your car right now, or maybe you're downhill skiing, or operating a Zamboni, and you're not able to access the website. So I'm going to try to describe the diagram. I'm not sure how well this is going to go, but let's try. In your mind, imagine a horizontal line or arrow going across the middle of a page, and then another line or arrow, a vertical one, going up and down, crossing the horizontal line right in the middle. That sideways line or arrow measures variation. That's the external stuff, the kind of variation or diversity that our eyes can see. The further right you go, the more diverse or varied is the community. The vertical line, the arrow going up, well, that measures cohesion or integration. This is internal stuff. You can't see it. It measures how integrated different folk are into the life and structure of a community. Are the different people or groups integral to worship and to planning and decision-making? Or more passive, less involved? The higher you go, the more cohesive or integrated is the community. So, if you've got those two lines, now your page looks something like a giant plus sign. And that makes four different quadrants or sections. Intercultural is in the top right. Highly varied, diverse, but also highly cohesive and integrated. You could imagine that like a group of different colored people in a circle with their arms linked. No one is above or below All are equal participants. Now, in the lower right, let's call that diverse. It's highly varied, but not cohesive or integrated. You can imagine it's something like a bunch of different colored people in the same room, but not really in a circle, not necessarily touching each other, perhaps not even facing the same way. Now, over on the left side, at the top, well, that's a healthy monocultural community. It's not diverse, most folk are the same, but it's highly cohesive and integrated. 
So you might imagine it like a bunch of people all the same color, black or brown or white or even green, doesn't matter. And they're in a circle with their arms linked. In the lower left section is an unhealthy, fragmented monocultural community. They might be all the same color and culture, but they're all fragmented. They're like jigsaw pieces not fitting together. Another word for this is atomistic. They act like atoms. In order to move forward, to, to open yourselves more, to, to open out more, become more intercultural, you have to move along both of these lines, both axes. You have to increase the diversity, have different kinds of people involved. But if you do only that, if you don't change the inner life of the community, the inner psychology of the people, then you'll only create diversity but no real connection. You have to also deal with the internal stuff, the opening out of the hearts and minds of the people. How you open up to new faces, new cultures, strangers, that's going to change between different communities. For some communities, it might involve learning to be humble. Decolonizing is another word. Face the reality of privilege. But that's not all faith communities. For example, at a recent gathering of intercultural and indigenous ministries, one of the indigenous ministers from a northern community talked about opening his church to welcome some folk who are Korean. Decolonizing wasn't what was necessary there. Something else. There are, of course, many common ways, shared ways, that we can open ourselves to difference, skills we can all learn, new ways of thinking that can change how we respond. You know, perhaps it's like having new people over for dinner, as well as meeting them, talking with them, and inviting them, all those external things. We also need to do some stuff inside the house. If it was my house, you'd likely need to tidy it up a bit. You have to check some recipes, and you need to buy some food and cook and so on. If you invited them over for dinner and hadn't prepared anything, what would happen? Change is inevitable, of course, no matter how strongly something inside us wants to resist. The only way you could have a church that didn't change would be to lock the doors and never let any humans walk inside it. Even then it would change. Slowly the dust would settle and the wood would rot. But it would slow the change process down. However, if you actually want some humans inside, even just a few, well, then change is inevitable. So is conflict, really. One of my mentors, Gil Rendell, used to define conflict as the presence of two or more ideas in the same place at the same time. Some degree of conflict, of discomfort, of struggle, will accompany the inevitable changes. I attend a men's yoga class each Monday evening. I, I really enjoy it. But I discovered I had this odd problem. My toes, all of them, on both feet, point upward. It means I, I couldn't flatten my feet. I, I couldn't sit on my heels in something like child's pose. My toes would cramp all the time. So eventually, I, I went to a sport physio clinic. They analyzed me and said, hmm, it's because of the way you walk. You're going to have to learn to walk differently. And then they showed me how. So at age 66, I, I had to learn to walk again, walk, walk differently. 
it was uncomfortable at first, for sure. But I discovered that I could do it. I discovered that I, I could, can, and have learned to walk differently. That's what happens at our faith communities as well. We have to learn to walk differently if we want to open out. Oh, yeah, yes, there's challenges, and yes, it's a bit uncomfortable, but so is living. If we chose to not do anything that made us feel uncomfortable, well, soon we'd do nothing at all. We'd just sit there like, I don't know, a mushroom. So I want to invite you to use your imagination just, just for a moment. If you're involved in a faith community, imagine what your faith community could be like if it truly could and did welcome everyone, no exceptions. What might it feel like to truly include everyone God wants to welcome into your heart, your connection, your love? How would you feel about being part of a community like that? Would it, would it feel good, even if there were a few challenges? Think about your church or your faith community, if you're involved in one. If they were, if you were going to welcome someone, some ones who are not there yet, who might they be? Just let your imagination go. Who, who, who might that be? You know, sometimes important new missions are born just out of that bit of imagining. The next two podcasts explore why we might want to start walking differently, opening out to a new Canada, welcoming folk who are somehow different than us. We'll begin first by looking at Canada itself and then at the church. In addition to the regular Open Out podcast, remember there are extra podcasts. These are creatively entitled Extra for leaders wishing to use this material in group settings, as perhaps as part of a study or, or a training series, or really for anyone who wants to explore the theme a bit deeper. If you'd like help in developing a study or training plan, feel free to contact me either on the Facebook page or through the link on the website. And for now, just imagine the possibilities. What if? What if you weren't held back? What if you just really could open out? <laughs>